Pentecostal Tabernacle. I want to thank Bishop Brian and Elder Lady Carmen for their invitation to be with you this morning. My name, as he said, is Deidre Tao, and my husband Danny and I have been partners here for about seven years, and we have two kids, Evan and Mia. For the last five years, I've been the small groups coach here, and PT has seen tremendous growth in the small groups ministry. And we are blessed with truly a dream team of small group leaders. All the small group leaders, past and present, and up and coming ones as well, are really the best. And I'm proud to serve with you all. We serve a great God. Amen. Um, well, this, this week has been a doozy, to say the least. Um, I hope everyone who is watching this message today is feeling well physically, um, emotionally, and spiritually, but I acknowledge that may not be true for everyone. So I just want to say that we as a church want to bless you today as you hear and watch this message that God would be working in your heart and mind and your body right now to bring healing and hope. I also want to acknowledge what a challenging moment we're facing. Last week, Elder Anita preached such a powerful message that I think we can all agree uplifted us so much. And when things were only just starting to get crazy here in Massachusetts. So uh, she spoke of God being our refuge, and that has just stuck with me all week long. Um, and since last Sunday, we've just had a whole week of rapid change as things were closing and we were told to stay home. And it's just been a sobering and a surreal time. Um, so I hope that today's message will be one that will give everyone, no matter where you're listening from, more hope and more comfort and more strength with some actual action steps to take this week. Amen? Okay, so I'm here because Bishop Brian asked me to preach today on the subject of small groups. You might be wondering with the pandemic if small groups are even able still to gather. Um, so we're not allowing the virus to stop us from gathering. Amen? But instead of gathering in person, as we always have done, we're now gathering virtually through tech, just like you are today. And we have not missed a beat. I'm really thrilled that our church is so quick to adapt to change. In fact, I'm excited for what God is already starting to do through our small groups by meeting virtually instead of in person. Attendance went up for the groups that met this week because now we can have small groups that include others who might live further away or who could just not manage to physically make it to a small group before or who may not otherwise have joined a small group. I think God is going to bless our adaptation that we are making. We are adapting to change. Amen. 
So a small group is defined as a group of three to 12 people who gather regularly, grow in relationship with one another and the Lord, and go and make new disciples. So there's gather, grow, and go. That's our saying as small group leaders, gather, grow, and go. Okay, so we're going to go to the first slide. This is taken from Matthew 18.20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. So the first step is we have to gather. You can't do the growing and the going part without first making sure to gather. Small groups have been gathering in homes and at the church for the past several years, growing and multiplying. Now we have 15 small group choices, and there are somewhere around 150 of us all involved at the moment. And I think this number is going to grow after today. Next slide, please. It is in our very nature as humans to need others. We gather because when God created Adam, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a partner suitable for him. God knew Adam would need to have a human partner, a wife. That is why God created Eve. So Adam, Eve, and the triune God were the first community of fellowship in the very beginning of the Old Testament. As we fast forward to 2020, we must remember it's still not good for us to be alone too much. Okay, It wasn't good for the first humans, and it's not good for us either. If we're apart too long, we're vulnerable to all kinds of things that are unhealthy for us. We are also prone to the attacks of the mind from the evil one, from Satan. So we need to gather. Yet we know that there's sometimes a temptation to isolate from others for one reason or another. Even now, we're under mandate to be physically isolated from others. But in the New Testament, we hear Paul say in his letter to the Hebrews, in chapter 10, verse 25, which is our next scripture, let us consider how we may spurn on one another, on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. These days, the reality is, it's going to take more intentional planning and discipline to get together. You might be saying, well, it's okay because I have a spouse or I have family or I have roommates right now, so I'm, you know, I'm good. We're basically like a small group. I still encourage you to reach out beyond your own household at this time. Jesus says in Matthew 22, love your neighbor as yourself. In this context, he didn't say, love your closest loved ones as yourself. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. That means he actually commands us to extend ourselves even when it isn't easy. This moment in our human history just highlights how fragile we all are. That we're truly dependent on one another for structure, cooperation, and teamwork to survive. Our network has to go wider and stronger right now. Because guess what? 
someday soon you might need to ask for help. Set up resources for yourself and be a resource to others. One powerful resource might be your family. Another might be immediate neighbors who live close to you. I hope another resource will be your church family in the structure of a small group. Amen? So that's the gathering part. Once we have gathered, then we have an opportunity to grow. Small groups are designed to help us grow. Let me explain this. So if you attend church every Sunday, or if you tune in as we are today, you're going to get spiritually fed. You're hearing the word of God. You're worshiping. Sunday morning in some churches is called the weekly celebration, and today happens to be a special celebration for us. It's a weekly reunion. It's a party, like a big banquet, or like Bishop recently coined this phrase, the PT restaurant. Maybe some of you have heard this, but if you haven't, lately Bishop Brian has talked about our church being as welcoming um, as, a, as a restaurant and that people want to keep coming back. Okay, so we might dress up to go to a PT restaurant. We're greeted by hosts, and we're in the company of many, many others, right? And the place is just ready for a celebration. Someone has come in early to turn on the lights. Someone has already vacuumed the sanctuary. Somebody else has made sure there are Bibles in the pews. And the praise team has rehearsed, and Bishop has prepared a sermon. And this, this service, conducted by multiple leaders and volunteers, is like a well-oiled machine. But... Right now, the PT restaurant, like all other restaurants, is closed for dining in. But, hey, guess what? Governor Baker says it's okay to get takeout. All right? So this is how you can think of small groups. PT restaurant takeout. (laughs) All right? All right? So imagine this. If the Sunday service is the huge party at the restaurant, then the small group is like your takeout. All right, you're going to enjoy it at home, around the kitchen table, on a laptop or on your tablet or on your phone with your small group. See, in the, in the small group, it's, it's different than the large gathering of Sunday service. Here, you just have a handful of friends, and you, you'll be on Zoom or... Google Hangouts or something, whatever, but people will know your name and you're missed if you are not there. In a small group, what you bring to the table really matters. Every week, your contribution to being at the table is emotionally, physically, and spiritually important to the others. And you can learn from others around the table as you dine on the Word of God. Amen. Okay, so your small group leaders will have some structure to kind of take you through, okay? You may do a Bible passage together. You may talk about ways to apply what you talked about in your lives. And you often will be praying for each other's concerns. All the different groups are different, but that's what you might find in many of them. You can't believe how strengthening it is, how encouraging it is to have this routine in your life. If you're in one now, you already know what I'm talking about. It gives you the strengthening you'd get at church, but during the week and more personal. We cannot always go out to eat at PT restaurant right now, 
but we can get our takeout. Think of it going hand in hand. Dine in Sunday morning and take out during the week. We all need to be doing both in good times and in bad times, in times of crisis like now, but let's carry it through after this is over. Amen? Dine in and take out. So Jesus had a small group by forming his own circle of 12 disciples. He formed these friendships with the purpose of having community for himself and so that he could show them how to love others the way God wanted. In doing this, he helped smooth out the rough edges of his friends. He started by walking along the beach and hand-picking fishermen right out of their boats. And, and speaking of walking on the beach, have you ever gone beachcombing? This is one of my favorite activities when I go to the beach. I just love to walk along and pick up little bits of shells or beach glass. Here's a picture of some broken glass. It's sharp, right? Um, it would be very dangerous to touch. I'm sure all the kids are wincing right now at home. But if this broken bottle were to fall into the deep, deep ocean where nobody could step on it by mistake, it's going to get tumbled around in the ocean sand, in the surf of the waves, maybe for a few months or even years. The glass becomes so soft, you could carry it in your pocket. And it wouldn't even tear your clothes or cut you. In fact, it would be nice to touch. Being in the sand and the ocean all tumbled around, it takes off all the rough edges. And now it's really pretty. In fact, I have a whole bag full. Maybe some of you like to collect these too, but I have a whole bag that I brought in with pieces of sea glass. When you find it on the beach, you can pick it up and it won't hurt you. In fact, it's really nice, very smooth to touch. In a small group, we may come in at first with some sharp edges. Um, I know I did when I was a new believer 19 years ago. The story of how I became a believer is a story for another time. It's a long story, but for now I'll tell you that I visited a church, a very broken young person with a very shallow understanding of Jesus. And I wasn't even sure I wanted him to actually be part of my life based on some misconceptions that I had about him and about Christians. Well, in my small group, over time, I began to love more. I began to accept others more. I grew in compassion for those who happened to be very different from me, those who worked in other fields or belonged to another political party. I grew in compassion for those in power and authority. I had not had that before. I had gained so much learning, too. It was a real education studying the Bible. I got a lot of my misunderstandings and bad teaching cleared up. But mostly, I gained from relationships, being around other people on a weekly basis who took the word of God seriously. I had never had friends like that before. After my first year of faithful small group attendance, most of my sharp edges were kind of sanded down somewhat. This did not happen overnight by magic or osmosis. This happened through godly relationships. 
And I could tell that I was growing by being around others who prayed for me and by me practicing praying for them. This scripture felt very true to me. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. So, you know, like most professionals, we didn't have time to hang out whenever we wanted. I had to make the effort on a weekly basis to go to the small group. It became a non-negotiable. I did not schedule anything else on Wednesday nights. That was the night I had small group and when I would get to see these friends. Eventually, Jesus showed me that it was time to forgive people from my past. And that smoothed out a lot of my most jagged edges. See, I'd been to some therapy in a secular setting, so that had helped to validate some of the anger and the pain that I was carrying, but the treatment kind of ended there. It didn't seem like there was a place for me to actually put that anger or stop the pain from getting worse. It wasn't until I went to church and a small group that I finally fully understood Jesus and the cross, how his body was broken and cut and remade whole again by the hand of God. That the idea of the cross is exactly where our pain is supposed to go. I learned how his forgiveness for sin works. It does not happen, or it did not happen in end, just that one time, and then that was the end of the story. His availability to forgive is ongoing forever and is personal to me. It finally made sense. I could place my own sin at the cross, like right here. I could place my sin at the cross and ask for his forgiveness and forgive others and let go of the source of my pain. Amazingly, the pain left me when I left the pain at the cross. There was once a real wooden cross that was part of a service I went to, and I wrote down everything on my heart and crumpled it up and left it at the wooden cross. It was a Good Friday service. I just started to feel freedom. I'm convinced that this transformation of my heart on the deep level would not have happened unless I went to church and small group. Eventually, uh, God felt it was time to introduce me to Danny. More rough edges smoothed out in the community of marriage. And now I was made into the idea of one flesh with Danny, and we were in the tumbling ocean together, <laughs> getting sanded and um, tumbled in the ocean there. Then God brought baby Evan into our life, and then God brought baby Mia into our life. And babies will really expose your rough edges and smooth you down if you let them. So I think it's safe to say that the relationships I made in small groups prepared me later to enter into these intimate relationships and, and responsibilities of marriage and parenting. And small groups have continued to help Danny and me continue in our marriage and in our parenting. So I've been in an ocean of Christian community for 20 years now. And you can imagine how over 20 years, God has been restoring me from a broken shard to a much smoother and more radiant piece. Um, 
is there the slide of the beach glass? The, there was the broken glass, and I wondered if the beach glass slide. There we go. Um, I'm still in the water, still willing to be in the water. The Lord is softening me still day after day, one day at a time. And see how all these pieces are all uh, together. This is how we grow. Finally, how do we go and make new disciples? We talked about gather and grow. How do we go and make new disciples? So here's one more story of the ocean, or at least it's the Sea of Galilee, which is technically a very big lake. But I'll close with this. Once upon a time, Peter and John and five other disciples were in their fishing boat, and they were just trying to catch fish in the wee hours of the morning, which is a good time to catch fish. This was soon after Jesus had risen and appeared to his friends and some others a couple of times. As Peter and the others were getting hungrier and more tired in their boat, not catching a thing, they saw a silhouette of a man on the beach preparing a fire, and it could have been anyone. He called out to them, caught much? which is common to say among guys who fish. They called back, no, which is also common among <laughs> people who fish. The man called out, throw your nets on the other side, the right side, the right side, which was another thing that fishermen <laughs> probably said to each other all the time. The men, just without argument, just did it. All of a sudden... And I quote from scripture, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large catch of fish. In fact, um, it's written that they caught 153 fish in that net that day. Then John said to Peter, probably with a racing heart, it's the Lord. See, they remembered this happened three years ago before when Jesus first met them and called him called them to be his disciples. Do you remember this? The same exact thing happened. So I think Jesus was just having fun with these guys. <laughs> so Peter, being the impulsive one, was so psyched. He jumped in the water and swam to shore. And I could just imagine him coming out of the water and throwing his arms around Jesus and basically crushing him. <laughs> I wonder if they cried or laughed, maybe both. Jesus said, come on, the fire's hot, the coals are hot, let's eat, come on. The guys rode in with the catch, they gutted some fish right there, and they ate their breakfast. And I, kids at home, can, have you ever been at a campfire or had a fire pit? Can you just imagine the crackling of the fire? Seeing the, the glowing coals and then grilling some fish. Um, just imagine the smells of the smoke and the, the meat. You can hear their laughter. They're catching up. They're saying, wow, Jesus, it is amazing to see you again in person. I wish I was there. And we have another scripture here. Um, then Jesus turns to Peter, and he uses Peter's old name, which I like. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Okay, so you know right now Peter was feeling a pit in his stomach. See, he had just told Jesus very recently that he would never leave his side, and yet he did uh, when Jesus was captured and beaten and crucified. 
um, Peter was hiding and pretending he didn't know his own best friend. He denied knowing him three times, and Jesus knew it. Peter said back to Jesus, Yes, Lord, you know, you know I love you. Jesus said, Then feed my lambs. Jesus asked him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Another interesting thing is that the name Simon means to hear. It's almost like he's saying, you hearing me? And Peter said again, yes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. Jesus asked him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him a third time. He said, you know everything, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Jesus asked Peter three times, giving him a chance to redeem his denial of him three times. You see that? The circle of the relationship, the missing the mark, and then the complete forgiveness. And he gives Peter a life mission. We know that Peter is the rock, and he's going to become the one who the church is built on. So when Jesus said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, he's saying, take care of my people, would you? Because I have to go soon. I need you to do this for me. I want you to feed them the word of God. I want you to make new disciples out of them. Earlier, he said to a whole group of his disciples, again in the command form, Go and make disciples of all nations. This is what Jesus says to us as his disciples too. Don't hoard my love. Go and share it with others. Jesus Christ claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed that no one would thirst anymore or hunger anymore if they would just come to him instead of turning to other things. He said he would wipe every tear from our eyes. There's never been another man whose name is one that is so beloved and so famous and yet causes so much controversy and carries so much weight and power as the name of Jesus Christ. He came back from the grave, and we know that because not just this fishing story, but there were 500 eyewitnesses who saw him within 40 days after his crucifixion. Some of these people talked with him, touched him, and even ate food with him. If it were not for Peter and all the disciples going out and making new disciples before their lives would end, there would not have been Paul. And if it were not for Paul and Timothy and Lydia and Priscilla and so many families who opened their homes, the Christian faith would not be anywhere where it is today. Amazing. It went from Jesus' one small group and multiplied to small groups all over, and then eventually to large churches all over the world. And this is the kind of thing you want to be a carrier of, right? The love of Jesus. Today, Christians make up the largest religious group in the world, totaling nearly a third of the Earth's 7.3 billion people, 31%, according to a Pew Research Center demographic analysis done in 2015. 
I happen to subscribe to an international blog for small group coaches po uh, published in different languages, and I'm reading about how small groups are just shining right now in this time of global crisis. As large church, church gatherings have to close, tens of thousands of tiny prayer circles are happening as small groups in Korea, China, Africa, Europe, South America, the islands. They're just people are gathering. Some are in secret and some are in the open. And we in this church are part of that. The torch has been passed to us, to this generation. We have to run with that torch. We must keep the torch burning and be the light of the world, loving our neighbors even when it's not easy. We will do that through gathering, growing, and going, even if church doors have to be closed right now. I declare we will grow stronger and our flame will burn brighter, not grow dim, not grow cold. You know, Peter was just a regular guy. All the disciples, men and women, were regular people with regular jobs. They were not different from you and me. I'm a regular person. Like Peter, whose vocation was commercial fishing, I have a different vocation than ministry. I'm not an ordained minister. Yet, I'm convinced that my participation in small groups is vital, not just to me, but to my church. Jesus saw a ton of potential in Peter. He said to Peter, if you're already a fisher of seafood, I'll teach you to be a fisher of men. For you, he might say, if you're good at investing money, I'll teach you to also invest in people. If you can heal using medicine, I'll teach you how to heal using my name. He wants to stretch us. He wants to smooth us. He wants to change our hearts. He wants to even confound the wise. He wants to rough us up a little. And that's all good. It's for his glory and for our own good. He wants us to feed his sheep. So listen, if Peter could do it, you can do it. You just need a small group to do it in. Again, a small group is a group of 3 to 12 people who gather regularly grow in relationship with one another in the Lord, and go and make new disciples. Bishop Brian and all the elders want you to join a small group, and I want you to join a small group, but don't take our word for it. Take God's word for it. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, I like this, how we may spur one another on. A little out of the box right now, but we can figure it out. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, especially as you see the day approaching. As we enter into our season of con con excuse me, consecration between now and Easter Sunday, I suggest that as you take the action step of fasting, that you also take the action step to get in a small group if you're not already in one. And here's how to do that. We're gonna put up um, a web page on your screen. This is um, ptspice.org groups. Go there and look at our 15 different small groups. Go ahead and click on a visit button. Once you get there, you're gonna see a whole scrolling list of different small group leaders that meet in different places, but you don't need to worry about where they meet right now because you're just gonna meet virtually. It's, it's easy. All you have to do is click visit. 
And just so please go there now and browse through the groups. You'll see them. There are some things you can learn in a book, other things you have to learn with your boots on the ground, in the sand, in living water, being tumbled all around, and having your rough edges smoothed out like a piece of beach glass. Each one of us is a restoration project that is ongoing because God loves us and does not give up his work. We are coming out more and more radiant every day, one day at a time, no matter what is going on in the world around us. And we need to pass on God's love. We are Pentecostal Tabernacle, and this is one way we are restoring broken lives. Gather, grow, go. Go.